Hey, I'm Rodolfo Ortega Cortez of the official Liverpool Knoxville Supporters Club. Hey, what's up, guys? Um, my name is Wes Bergeron, and I'm one of the Manchester City supporters. And you are listening to the Knox Soccer Podcast. <laughs> Welcome to the Knox Soccer Podcast, where we tell the soccer stories of our favorite big town little city, Knoxville, Tennessee. I'm Patrick Teasdale. And I'm Brian Canever. And on today's episode, we are talking to Wesley Bergeron and Rodolfo Urgueta Cortez of the Manchester City and Liverpool Supporters Clubs in Knoxville about this year's title race being a Premier League supporter in the city and why you should head to a Premier League supporters bar near you before the end of this season. So crack open your favorite beverage, slip on your favorite jersey, Premier League jersey, and get ready for the feast of football for the years. Brian, how are we starting this one off? In Richarlison-esque fashion to break red spirits in last year's Goodison Derby, one of the last to likely ever be played now that the Blues will sink into the championship, then League One, then League Two, and eventual non-league football. I'm blasting this one in from inside the 18, Patty. This is the Knox Soccer Podcast. All right, so here we go. We are finally talking about EPL, the English Premier League. I feel like this is how people get into soccer, or at least that's how I got into soccer. To be a Knoxville-centric soccer podcast, we had to talk about just the big boys, the the teams of the English Premier League, and how there are funny people going to bars at 7 o'clock in the morning sometimes to watch these games being played over in broad daylight. And, and so here we are. We're talking about the English Premier League clubs. As you may already know, Patty is a proud Arsenal supporter. I have been an Everton supporter since 2009. It has been uh, many a depressing year. This one among the worst. I have people regularly checking in on me as if I were dying every <laughs> every Monday morning. See how I'm doing. Um, this is not the case for Wesley and his Manchester City uh, oh title-chasing, league-leading league leading team. It's not the case for Rodolfo either. Um, it was a blast to talk to them. So if you don't know about Premier League supporters culture here in Knoxville, we have several clubs that have bars they get together at to watch their teams. We've got Liverpool at Finns, which Rodolfo talks about. Manchester City at Bearden Beer Market in West Knoxville. West Ham meets at the Corner Lounge. Tottenham Hotspur at Alliance, where you will occasionally see Everton fans in the quarter tucked away crying. <laughs> Chelsea at Central Flats and Taps. And Arsenal at Hops and Holler. Go Gunners! We have all of this information for you on our Substack account, knocksoccerpodcast.com. In the episode notes, you will find this information and more so you know where to go to to cheer on your favorite team this weekend. We wish we could have had a representative from each supporters club in Knoxville on the podcast, but that would have been like six or seven people. And the editing for me, and also you, dear listener, to keep track of who's talking, who's smack talking who. That, that'd be the hardest part. But we did get some great smack talk from Wes and Rodolfo. Uh, so let's just kick it off. Let's uh, let's get to him. Just a quick note. This conversation was recorded back on March 8th. But as of today, Man City is at 70 points. 
and Liverpool is at 69 points. All right, Brian, take it away. Both teams, best goal difference in the league, highest scoring in the league. Um, how are you guys feeling about the title race right now? And, and Wes, since Man City's in front, how, how about you start us off? How are you feeling about this title race? Uh, it, it, feels, it feels like something's got to give, personally. I think being being here before with Liverpool behind behind us, it's just like you just you just know that that April tenth matchup is going to have more at stake than than ever before. I think for for us, it's it's amazing. It's awesome to be in first. It's awesome to see how it works out. But when you see their goal differential, you know, is a little bit better than ours. You see them scoring more goals than us. Like it, it pushes all those buttons to make you think like what's going to happen when we play in a couple of weeks, what's going to happen next. So like, there's a sense of, man, this is awesome. We're great. Like we're close to repeating, but it's also like, it's also a sense of urgency. Like April 10th is everything. I think in my mind, like we have to, we have to win. Cause if not, then what, what are we doing? Hey Rodolfo, how are you? I mean, I'm looking at, I'm looking at the stats right now and yes, man city's up uh, by six points, but you have a game in hand right now. I mean, this is insane. The top three scorers in the league, Mohamed Salah, Diego Jota, Sadio Mane, top assist in the league, Trent Alexander-Arnold, Mohamed Salah, like dominating all the numbers. Uh, how are you feeling right, right now? Um, I think that, I guess psychologically speaking, like the, the mentality of the squad and as a fan, it's a lot easier to chase than it is to be leading the pack, you know? So I think that... Um, it's going to be easier for us to kind of keep the pace with the game in hand um, with City being ahead than if we were in City shoes. Personally, that's what I what I believe. Um, I feel pretty good, you know, competing on all fronts. You know, we just won the the League Cup, so it feels nice. You know, it's a uh, it's a trophy in the bag um, for this season. Um, and uh, yeah, I think we're we're doing great. You know, you went over those stats about our, our front three. Um, those assists numbers look great. I think we have a, a deep squad. Uh, some players coming back from injury. Harvey Elliott's back. You know, I feel good, and I think that if we're living uh, rent free in Man City fans' heads, and that's uh, that's great. That's where that's where you guys have always lived, and you guys get to have an Energy Cup title to show for it, which is great. Really proud. We had to give it to somebody else. I love hearing that because as, as an Everton supporter, unfortunately, like a league cup would be a dream. And like when you support teams <laughs> who are actually good. Yeah. Like, yeah. Being like 10 points above do. relegation would be a dream for you. <laughs> it would be, it would be a, that would be a title in itself. Yeah. I was listening to a podcast the other day and it was like, well, you know, Man City, uh, that elusive Champions League final. And I'm looking at it. I'm like, okay, the, the Man City won the league in 2018 won the league in 2019, won the league in 2021, you know, Liverpool won the league last year. You guys have been neck and neck. And I'm like, wow, I, I have no idea what any of that feels like. <laughs> <laughs> um, what is it, Brian? Is it 1995 for Everton? 95, 95. 95, yeah. Yep. Yeah. I was six years old. Uh Man, wow. it's been a while. Um, okay, well, then so, me, uh, me as an Arsenal fan where it's just like, being outside, you know, it's like, oh, it, you know, top six, top four, we are, we're we're close, right? Yeah, so, yeah. Always a chance. Always, always a chance. We're always on there. We're we're <laughs> we're on the bubble, bubble. Um, All right, yeah. So I'm. So uh, both teams looking really hot. Like I mean, scoring goals. Like I mean, what Man City beat United four one this weekend. 
Liverpool had the one nil against West Ham, but that has been just like like yeah. blowing through teams. What's exciting both of you guys about your your teams right now? Like what what has you pumped about Man City, Liverpool? I mean, for for me, I think it's finally like it's an awesome time to finally see some of the youth get to play. So finally getting to see like the Liam Delaps play, the Cole Palm, Palmers play, and, like play in like both cup games, but also get a little time in like actual matches. Like it's always been this our biggest issue without a doubt has always been who's going to play striker. Do they need a striker? Will they ever need a striker? And the answer is always yes. It's 110% yes. You need a, you need a guy who's 6'2", who can get corners, because I'm tired of doing corners, and then landing on the ground, and we're just passing out of the back. I'm just tired of it. But it's still exciting to see that we are doing so much with what we have, and everyone seems to be on the same page. There's a lot. The work rate is just insane. Like, even just watching Bernardo Silva Sunday, just watching his work ethic from end to end to create things, to get back on defense, those kind of things. You see that there is this urgency like that says, hey, there's room for error, but we're going to make sure there's none. And so to go into these matches and to have this kind of mentality of, well, we kind of always blow it against United, but to then be like, you know what, we're going to change that around today. And to win 4-1 when it could have easily been 6, it gives you this sense of like, okay, now we're really starting to work through some of those, those demons we have to exercise. So it's good to see us exercising the demons, but the only thing that really matters to a lot of us is winning champions. Like <clears throat> this team can do it. It's just, how do they stay mentally sharp? So I'm just glad they're sharp right now. That's, that's what I care about. And that's what excites me the most. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that, you know, we're looking sharp as well. I mean, um, I'm really excited about uh, Luis Diaz. You know, he's our new left winger. Um, this looks incredible. Um, a lot of those players that come into Premier League, you know, those first that first year they're in there, they're just you know raw pace, you know, not uh, kind of weathered down by uh, I guess the weather, <laughs> the the pace of play, uh, and just how hard it is to play in that league. And he's just flying, you know. He talked about uh, Bernardo Silva cracking back and, and covering um, in the City game. Diaz the same thing, you know, against uh, West Ham. He's just going back. Um, taking on uh, players. I mean, he just, he's a, he's a speed demon. I'm super excited to see what he does uh, against City. But I guess going back to um, the title race, you know, it kind of feels like an echo of 2018, uh, 2019. I think it ended up, was it 98, 97 points yeah. between uh, City and Liverpool? I think it came down to the final game. I think you guys played Brighton. Um, and I think Brighton went up like one zero. Uh, I remember being at the at the pub and we were all cheering. And then City scores like five seconds later. We're like, oh <laughs> man! I think we beat Wolves maybe three zero that that game. So yeah. it might go down to the final day. I, I you know, yeah. I think I think we can probably get a good result on uh, on April tenth. But then it's still in y'all's hands. So yeah, you know. yeah. It's it's the panic of it's truly the panic of these two teams know each other so well and they know it's like one little mistake in the midfield or on the back line is all it takes for the game just to totally swing and like scoring a goal against scoring a goal against like Newcastle is like, okay it's, you're up one nothing you could probably put up four or five but us giving up a goal to each other it feels like you're down two or three because of how they play with leads and it's just very hard to break teams down when when they know how to protect those leads, but also even build off of them. Like it's, it's crazy counterattacking, super intuitive football that both teams play. 
and you you have to think like tail of the tape wise like they're kind of like kind of you know hit for hit but there is there are some gaps there are some gaps there and they'll be i'll be curious to see how it works come april 10th because every minute feels like an hour in that game it just feels like you yeah. can't you can't do anything. I feel like that's the time when my 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 bar tab goes higher than usual because <laughs> I'm just panicked. Uh, and it's just it's one of those things where it's it's one of the best rivalries that you know in I think in the past couple of years and across a lot of sport, but across a lot of major sports, like it puts you on edge for the for the for all the best and all the worst reasons. I'm curious who your favorite players on your teams are, and then. If there was one player who you had to sign from the other team, perhaps make captain on your fantasy team at any point, oh, God. which I think is, is is the greatest treason. But all my Everton, oh. all my Everton guys, they're constantly making <laughs> like most a lot their captain. Um, this question makes favorite, <laughs> so, yes, exactly right. So, who's your favorite player, and who from the other team would star in your fantasy lineup? Oh man, you want to go first, Wes? Oh my God. So, so the question is, is who excites us most on our teams right now? Yeah, that's the first part. Yeah. And then first part, oh gosh. I mean, if I could take, if I could take that first part right now, I would, I personally feel super, super, super torn between Kevin De Bruyne, who basically is the engine, one of the engines in the midfield, and then Bernardo Silva, who I feel like is, part the other half of that engine. I feel like when we don't have those guys on the field, I feel like there's more room for worry and more room for error. But what they're able to do with so little space is insane. But also in the big games, even if they don't score, they show up. Like to see Kevin get two goals Sunday, you just knew, I knew it without a doubt in my mind. I was like, look, I don't care how he scores them. He just rockets them in. It could be two feet away and he's going to hit it like he's from 50 out. Just, just for emphasis, like it's a huge boost, but also we can't, all of our, all of our success is hinging on those two. Like it absolutely hinges on everything they do in the midfield. Like it's just absolutely incredible to have two of the, some of the best players in the world just right there running your midfield, making everything great. Cause like when people say we need a striker, I'm like, yeah, I definitely do. Cause I think to myself, how much better would we be if those two had someone to service to? Like we would be absolutely unstoppable. <clears throat> But with that being said, if I could take anyone off of off of Liverpool, oh, disclaimer, I, I would take a lot of people off that team. They're great. Like, it's insane. Like, it's hard to hate them because they're just so good at what they do. But for me, without without a doubt in my mind, I would take I would take Mosala in a heartbeat in a in a absolute heartbeat. Like that guy has done done things his goal tallies that are just absolutely absurd. And every time he touches the ball within 20 yards, he, he, it's like you have to physically tackle him to like, to get him to not shoot because you just know he's going to make something out of nothing. And he just does that so calmly and so effortlessly. It's just like, what, what more could you want out of a, out of a guy up top who's unabridged to take people on, but also has somehow elevated that team to a new level. I know they have Luis Diaz. I know they've got, you know, Jota, they've got, all these players, but for some reason, he is that guy, in my opinion, who just, whatever he does, it's just, you, you just can't, you can't hate it. You just can't hate it. And I want to hate him, but I legitimately cannot. I think for me, I don't know how you can uh, get past Trent Alexander-Arnold, you know, Mr. Liverpool, uh, you know, coming through the youth system at the club, 
He's a future captain. Everybody knows it. You know, one hundred percent. He's pretty he's incredible. So he's a great leader. He's still really young. I mean, he's already have uh, legendary moments like um, against Barcelona, the the corner that he takes, you know, quickly. Origi, you know, that goal. It's just he's just already a legend, you know. And uh, I think he's great. He's a, he's a great leader on the team. Um, so for sure, favorite player at the moment is probably Trent. Um, I think if I had to pick a player off in City, uh, I don't know if I could. I mean, where were they playing our team? I probably can't. You know, oh, that's you garbage. You guys garbage. Pick somebody. Uh, I pick somebody. No, pick really. Somebody. Um, don't don't say, even do this. Uh, I would say. Do it, I would coward. Say the Bruyne, you know. Yeah, there uh, it is. There it the is. The best player on their team. Uh, one of the best in the league. I'm sure we can find some room for him somewhere in the midfield. You know, it might take a little bit. Sure. I'm sure. You're telling me, you're telling me you wouldn't like swap out Henderson for KDB in a minute? No, of course not. Ah, that's stupid. That's stupid. Henderson's also a great story. You know, I mean, take a look at how long he's been at Liverpool. You know, I I know he gets gets slighted all the time and I guess like the online banter or whatever, but he's a great captain as well. You know, now he's Going down in Clippers, he's one of the best captains he probably ever had. I don't know how many trophies he has to his name now in the past couple of years. Um, he's just a great leader. So, no, I would not trade Hendo for uh, KDB. That's fine. That's hey, whatever. You can have your catcher with your old knees. That's fine. You can have a catcher with bad knees hobbling around the field, winning one for the Gipper. That's cool. That's fine. <laughs> Okay, I, at this point, I'll take James Milner if anybody's giving him up. I mean, I'll, I'll you can go down to the bottom. I mean, we'll take okay. I'll take anybody. I'll give him to you for free ninety nine. Oh man. Um, okay, so um, I, how obviously you guys are in America. We all are. Um, when I was in college in two thousand nine, ten, I felt like the Premier League was taking America by storm, and that's when I when I felt obligated to choose a Premier League team, and I, I became an Everton supporter to my great lament uh, many years later. I'm curious, how did you guys get into supporting into supporting your clubs? I got into supporting City, um, and this is going to be a shock to a lot of people in Knoxville. There are actually City fans who existed before all the titles happened. So I know that sounds like absolutely insane to people, but for me, it started, it started with watching, in my opinion, one of the best African midfielders ever, which was Yaya Torre, watching him play in Barcelona. And watching him play, I saw this guy who had this like weird pace to him. Like he seemed like he was just always kind of jogging, seemed kind of chill, was very calm. But then when it was time for like a counterattack, he was like darting down the field, creating, doing everything. Like he was a part of every, almost every pass I saw with that Barcelona team. So when you're seeing like Messi, Torre, you're seeing, <clears throat> you're seeing, PK, Busquets, you're seeing like Carlos Puyol, you're seeing all these people and like they all just seem to have this like their niche, but Torre just seemed like he took it to another level in the bigger games. And for me, I was like, I was like, as a, as a, as a person of color watching another you know person who looks like me play that way, I was just like, yo, like this is insane. Like how is this guy so calm and so good at what he does? And so well, as, as not having like satellite or anything, like every now and then on Fox Sports, you see like a you see like a Champions League game, and I was like, oh, Barcelona's on, great, I can watch Torre play. Like that was this was like perfect, perfectly set up. And then at one point, I realized he left, and I was like, I was like, yo, where'd he go? <laughs> and then and then I like found I found him with Manchester City, and I was just like, 
well, I was like, I guess I could like follow him and see what this is all about. And seeing those years, like seeing them like play before the, all the title stuff happened, I was just like, dude, this is brutal. Like, I don't know if this team's going to be worth worth a crap after a while. And then I know all the oil investors came in and we have all the oil money jokes and all this stuff. And like, you see all this stuff happen. And I, then I see this guy getting to play with like Sergio Aguero. You see him playing with like all these other, all these like Carlos Tevez, all these other bigger names who we've come to know household names if you're a big soccer fan. And to see that team kind of take off was was insane. So when they finally won the title with that 93rd minute goal from Aguero that just like lives lives on, I think, and just in soccer infamy, it was just one of those things where you're like, man, if this is the only time they win, I'm super content because that was one of the most incredible goals I'd ever seen. It wasn't anything like a crazy, crazy, like crazy shot, but it was just so impactful. Like I know some people look at Landon Donovan scoring against like, Algeria in the World Cup and they're like, oh my God, like this is a great feeling. Like I kind of had that same feeling when I saw them score and win. So Yaya was kind of like that person for me, like seeing them play all those years, like seeing him kind of grow and evolve. And then once he eventually left, I was definitely like, I was definitely upset, but what he did was just so important to me. Even as a kid playing, I was like, I want to play like that guy. Cause that guy seems like he just is a part of everything. I have this habit of liking teams way after their title window is now closed. So, like, in 2012, I became a Celtics fan, you know? Like, I think, like, the next year they traded Pierce and Garnett to the Nets, you know? Uh, I got into the Cubs this year. Why did I do that? You know, <laughs> that's a great that's so, a great story for another day. <laughs> in about, in about 2012, yeah, in about 2012, everybody was talking smack about Liverpool, and, you know, they just can't basically do anything. They're about to get relegated you know they're not but you know they're not doing so high um it was right after the the highs in years or a year you know it was horrible and uh obviously uh, you know i'm into the romance of the underdog you know this uh you know sleeping giant narrative so um you know i'm going to call it i looked up you know the istanbul documentaries on youtube you know that has to make you a Liverpool fan. I don't know how you watch those and don't walk away and, you know, pledge yourself to Liverpool. Um, it's a great, it's a great win. It's so historic, you know? And, um, so I get into Liverpool and then, uh, the, the 13, um, 14 season happens, you know, with the Stevie G slip. And that was even more tragic and horrible. And I was like, this is so good. <laughs> You know, it, like it, the, the romance has increased, you know, like <laughs> right there. And uh, I just, the the martyrdom, you know, it's just so attractive for me. So I was like, this is amazing. And uh, yeah, we eventually got, you know, really good. But uh, but yeah, I mean, I had a couple of things at the house when I was a kid. Like, I think my dad uh, brought home like from the airport or something. So I'm like Carlsberg you know, tiny little soccer ball or something or like whatever. Um, but yeah, I mean, I can't say I was, I was born into it or I knew somebody um, just uh, YouTube, you know, um, stuff like that. But, uh, but yeah, so I think the thing that kind of kept me with the, the club is, yeah, that, that romance and that underdog spirit, you know, that, uh, you know, kind of draws you in and doesn't want to let you go for sure. So funny to hear you describe Liverpool as an underdog now. 
we are six points behind city so hey when he said when on. he says when he says it i just i cringe i'm like you want to talk underdog like let's go talk about wolves Let's talk about like Brentford. Leicester City, (laughs) Leicester City. I want to make sure we have plenty of time to talk about the supporters club because that's what I'm really kind of fascinated by. We've seen these clubs, these supporters groups pop up all around the city. Um, You go to bars and you see their flags hanging. Uh, So I'm curious for both of you, how did you get, um, how how did you find your way to your supporters clubs here in Knoxville? I moved here about five, five years ago. Uh, and I had a friend who I did, who I went to college with, and she had mentioned that people, that everyone at one point was just watching at Hobbs and Hollers of, of North Central in, in town. And so that's where I went. And then I <clears throat> bumped into one of my good friends who was also in my wedding, uh, Ethan. And he had told me just like, yeah, we kind of bounce between here and Alliance and in South Knoxville. So that's kind of what we do. Like, we're kind of like, between places we kind of just kind of watch wherever we can and then over time i think as we all kind of grew and had our bigger fan bases people then started to get their own get their own places their own bars to watch at and i think to see to see people spearhead that but also to see some of knoxville's best i think best bars breweries in town just be like hey yeah we want to help be a part of this was just awesome like it just it really showed that we were trying to we were really on the ground floor of growing uh, the love for soccer in this town. Uh, so now to see us all with our own places, but also when we play each other to be like, Hey, you guys should come here, come watch the game with us this week. And then like the next, the next on the second leg, we'll go watch with you guys. You know, they kind of have that, that opportunity and that rivalry, but also still be able to be friends and watch, watch with Rodolfo when we can, like, it's still awesome. You know? It's like we wouldn't set foot in each other's bars like without like without without our teams playing each other. But it's also good when we can because like it keeps it keeps that friendship alive, but it also keeps that rivalry alive. You can't put a price on that. Yeah, I think I'd be remiss to not mention um, you know some of like the the, the cornerstones of you know the community that kind of developed. Um, I guess like mid twenty tens um, that kind of built this whole thing, right? Um, and as far as I know, you know, what I've been told, like 2013, 2014 on, there was a group, maybe from 2012, kind of going to different pubs and kind of forcing their way into having them sneak a match on, on the TV, you know, because that was very, you know, foreign and strange, I guess, um, to, you know, pubs here then. And like you're talking earlier, Brian, right? Like the Premier League had not exploded the way that it has now, right? Back then, I think everybody was probably still as they are now, you know, focused on La Liga, you know, Barcelona, Real Madrid. That's like the, the big game, you know, of the weekend, right? So they were going. I mean, Bradford Johnson, um, Aaron Claybo, um, Shonda, uh, Hoover. I think her last name is. Um, they were going to these matches. Eventually, like it was just um, a community, right? And I don't think there was a separate supporters club per se um, for each pub or even at the same bar. But it just kind of grew, right? Like Wes said, I mean, they kind of each developed their own kind of uh, supporters, and you know, um, organically grew. Um, and then at some point, you know, we just got big enough to start having. Um, regulars kind of come out to the matches, you know, um, at about 
2017 or so, uh, Bradford, who was kind of spearheading the Liverpool thing and then also kind of heading the, the meetups in town for just everybody in general, I think across all the, all the supporters, uh, clubs or the, the teams, yeah. go to North Carolina. I think he's in Charlotte now. And um, yeah. yes. it was a wonderful thing in, in my hands. And uh, I was, uh, we were at Alliance for about two years. Uh, had some awesome events there. I mean, we had the, the 2018 Champions League final. Did not turn out the way I wanted it to, but it was uh, <laughs> a pretty amazing event there. You know, I think it's probably maybe one of the biggest, you know, we had from that point. You know, it was, it was crazy. The Alliance bar and brew was, was packed. Uh, it was yeah. pretty incredible. Um, and then we uh, went to Finn's the next year. Again, 2019 Champions League final. This time goes the way I want it to. And that was uh, an awesome <laughs> event as well. And yeah, and then, you know, City has grown as well, and they also lacked Alliance. Um, have been, uh, Wes, are you at uh, Bearden? Yeah, now? we're at Bearden Beer Market now. Yeah, and, that's, and that was a newer development. Um, <clears throat> I think a lot of that came, like, same thing, like, birthed out of when we were all at Alliance. I think we just wanted something different. We also wanted to be able to kind of spread out a little bit more because something I, at least I've noticed, I live on the west side of town and I live on the north side of town. Is there a lot of fans who live on the west side of town who don't know where to go? And I right. think being able to spread out a little bit more, but also ask for the help of, of our places to be like, hey, can you help put out the word? Can you help spread some of this news through Facebook, through all this stuff? Um, I, I know Jacob Blackie has been huge in just us getting the word out about, about Manchester City and all this stuff. And you just... Every now and then we see a bunch of new new faces come around for big games and people are busy. Like we totally get that. But this city really does love soccer. I just think a lot of people just don't know where to go. And I think that's one of those biggest, the bigger hangups is just if we as a city could really help each other out to just really be like, hey, this is where people can find this, this is where people can find this. I think that's going to be huge, even with now having, you know, our own soccer team in town. Like people want to watch soccer both in person, but also on TV and they just need to know where to go or who to talk to. Yeah. Um, and I'll say that, you know, for the past, you know, three years or so, the, the challenge has been how to maintain the, the regulars coming in, right. To, to watch the matches and um, kind of build that infrastructure at the, at the pub you're at, right. Like, you know, get there early and make sure everything's running. You know, the TVs are in the, are on the right channel, you know, uh, make sure that you're not gonna have the, the game go out in the middle of the match, you know, when you have about oh, 20 people there. <laughs> you know, that's the kind of issues you run into when it stops being your friends together at a random pub watching the match and it's an event, right? That you advertise on, on Facebook or something and promote and kind of growing that fan base. And I think. You know, the leader of, of the sports club now, you know, Chris Parrish has been doing a great job the past three years, kind of maintaining that um, organization and kind of building that infrastructure and keeping us uh, expanding. And we actually won official, you know, a couple of years ago, uh, you know, recognized by the club now as a bit of a journey. But um, yeah. yeah, you know, looking forward to maintaining that official status, hopefully, and keep on growing. Like I said, Chris is a great job. If you guys could pitch, right now your supporters club to the the knox soccer podcast world um tell tell us where do you meet 
Uh, tell us about your community and why, if somebody is looking for, for a place to go to watch the beautiful game, they should go and, and watch your club play with you guys. I would say this, like, I know people love talking about how City have an, an, a never-ending supply of cash and all this nonsense and whatnot, but I also do believe this team plays soccer in a way that I think some of us have only dreamed of him. Some of us have, like, we go out there and we think, oh, we can do that or we can do this. And it's like, no, this team really does stuff really, really well. But also, I think for us, as much as we've made this move to Beard and Beer Market, we're also in the place where we are a smaller, we are a smaller supporter group, but we've won all this stuff. So people are like, oh, you'll just leave and you'll be another fan of someone else when they all get caught. And it's like, no, like this team, this team is mine for, for, for a long time. Uh, so I would say people should come out and watch Manchester City at Beard and Beer Market. One, I think if you just are genuinely curious about the game, if you love the game, uh, or whether you're just like, I'm just a football fan, I'm just a Tennessee ball football fan, and I see this is on, so I always get curious why there's people here. Like, we'd love to have you. We'd love to talk to you, get to know you, buy you a drink. We always do that for any people who come out. So if anything, come out for a free beer. That's super, that's super fine as well. Uh, but I think we just, we are just learning how to really get through to the West Knoxville people and really get to know them better, but also just expose them to soccer. Even if you come watch our games and you're like, Hey, I'm a fan of the other team. Cool. Awesome. At least you got a place to watch a game. Um, but we are absolutely excited to grow and just get our name out there and just have people know where we can, where they can come hang out. I think that's like, we have a great location. Like it's all outdoors, good food, good beer, you know, it's, it's a pretty good place to be. Can't beat it. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, we have a really nice um, location, too. You know, it's in West Knoxville at Finn's uh, Irish Pub and, and Tavern. Um, first of all, there's food there, and the food's really great. That's a plus. Um, the beer is, is pretty good as well. There's also, um, you know, if you want to get a, a Bloody Mary or something, there's you know, that is yeah, well. that is pretty nice. That is pretty nice. I won't lie about that. That's pretty. That's pretty. Good. Uh, so that's pretty special. Um, and I think it's just a beautiful building too. I mean, it's really old building. Um, I think what was formerly known as the, the Baker Peters like, Jazz Club. Um, so yeah, it's just gorgeous. And and the we meet up in the in the bar, and uh, there's about maybe five or six different TVs. Um, so you can kind of sit anywhere in the in the bar and kind of watch the game. As far as the community, I think we're really uh, welcoming. I think we're all very friendly. Uh, we're a very diverse uh, supporters club, people from all different countries. Um, and yeah, it's really cool to kind of see us all united from wherever we are came, or came into the supporting Liverpool, um, kind of hanging out the same spot, you know? So I think we're uh, growing and it'd be awesome to kind of uh, join in for the run-in, you know, for the, the title race with City. Obviously, we're still competing on all fronts, so get on the bandwagon while you can. I, I love how you guys have strategically positioned yourselves in West Knoxville. Uh, yeah. Everton, uh, you know, when we finally pick our supporters club, it's going to be it'd be like a dingy, moldy basement in some abandoned building, you know, like we where nobody can see us, <laughs> or we could just <laughs> just cry, cry, cry into our into our shame all by ourselves. Hey, man, I it sounds like a I love a good dive bar. I'd be there. Right. Bar. Well, Brian, it sounds like it's uh, Bar Marley, you know? Like <laughs> Bar, Marley. Bar Marley. Bar wow. Marley would have been perfect for Everton. Would have been perfect. Yep. 
Um, well, now that it's abandoned now, right? So actually, it may still be perfect for even even more perfect. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay. Okay. So I got I got two quick hitters for you guys um, to to end things off. Um, one, how is the title race gonna end? It's our coin here. Let me pull out a coin real quick. Let me see. You want you want to call you want to call tails, Wes? <laughs> uh, as I learned from the Super Bowl, sometimes calling tails is the wrong idea. Uh, <laughs> so I'll pass on that. Um, I, I mean, I will always say. I will say it is ours to lose a hundred percent. And I think that's how it's, that's how I viewed it since day one. Uh, any little slip up is enough for Liverpool to just jump you and just never look back. And then you're too far, you're too far like removed from caring because they're already like camped out in your head. Uh, I really think, I really think April 10th decides it all. Like truly, like if we end in a draw, then it's just going to be who's got the who's got the easier schedule <clears throat> moving out. Uh, either team wins. I think I think it's really just going to add more panic and chaos. Uh, but yeah, I definitely think it's ours to lose. I'm not I'm not going to sit here and say like yes, we're 110 percent winning, but I definitely think I'm at that 98 percent, and I just know that two percent is looming, and it's just going. It could grow into five and ten to 45, then like <laughs> it's 99.9 percent for them. Uh, but yeah, April 10th decides it all, but I, I just can't envision a world where we don't, we don't hold on. I think it's just hard for me to see. If I'm being realistic, I guess, I think that city, you know, obviously has the advantage. They have the six points on the board, you know, it's better to have it on the board than the, the game in hand and be six points down. I mean, that's just, um, being realistic. Right. But I think that like Wes has kind of said, the whole podcast, you know, we're in their heads. They know that. The moment this is up, we're going to pounce, you know, and um, keep the momentum riding until the end of the season. Um, I think we're built to compete on all fronts now. Yeah. No longer the underdog, Brian. But yeah, regardless of April 10th, regardless of the, the title race, um, which it could end up going our way, I don't think the League Cup will be the the final trophy we get this season. I think it's, but, I think uh, it is safe. I think it's clear to say, though, uh, even though they might be in our heads, I think Liverpool should be honest and say that we are in theirs as well. Um, I think I think they got a taste. They got a taste of that title, and I, I know they want more. And the reality is, is they have to go through us to get it. And I think that is both exciting and also I think a little bit nerve wracking. I think for someone like Klopp, who's turned that team into an absolute powerhouse, he he doesn't want to stop. He wants he wants more and. <clears throat> I think there's, I think that's, I think that's a compliment though, to have Liverpool in our heads because we know, we know they've won something. We haven't, but we also won the league back to back, which is something they haven't, they haven't really done. So it's just like, there's a, there's a bit of gamesmanship within that. And that's something that is very hard to find in, uh, in sports. I think today. You've mentioned Klopp and Guardiola. Um, if they were to face each other in a fist fight, let's say we got a, a Milkel Arteta, Jurgen Klopp situation on the sideline, right? Jurgen Klopp looks a little scrappy. He's got the beard. He probably watches some UFC. Guardiola, a little bit more put together, probably spends his time watching Bruce, Bruce Lee documentaries on the side. Who wins in a battle of fisticuffs? I, I, feel, I feel like this is truly something like, I would I would not pay a dime to see, to be quite honest. I feel like it would just be two grown men just on the ground, just like 
holding, clutching each other at the shoulders, just rolling back and forth and just having some little kid just yelling, fight, 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 fight. And they just never land a punch, but they just keep talking about it. And like, and then when it's all over, they tell their, they tell their respective friends, yeah, well, you should have seen what I did to him. Like, that's why he's not around right now. Like, I beat him up. Like, I feel like they would never, I feel like it'd be like one punch and someone would like snitch on each other. Like, I, that's what I totally feel like it would be. Like, I don't think, I don't expect a man who wears a scarf to throw a punch, to be quite honest. Man in a tracksuit, sure. Man in a scarf, absolutely not. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think Klopp is pretty tall. That's, uh, yeah, he's got some reach. I don't, I don't, I don't, I, yeah, it could be totally one of those numbers where he puts, his, he puts his hand on Pep's head and Pep's just swinging at the air. Like, I just totally think it could be that for 20 minutes. Like, I don't, I don't know. That's amazing. Oh, that's great. Okay. Yeah. All right, Patty. Good. Patty. All right. It to you. All right. So that, that concludes our interview. We're going to play a trivia game. It's oh, called gosh. the trivia game is called Know Your Knocks. And so I have three questions for you guys. One of them is easy and then they get complicated. Uh, all right. You guys ready to play? Great. Yeah. This is great. I can't. <laughs> all right. Let's see. Let's give it a whirl. All right. So the, the first one's pretty easy. So I'm going to ask you guys about uh, your coaches. I'm actually going to ask you about your opposing coaches. So Rodolfo. You'll go for uh, Pep. How many places has he coached at? How many places has Coach uh, Pep Guardiola coached at? Uh, City, Bayern, Barcelona, Greek. Yep. And then Barcelona B. So, yeah. Yeah, Barcelona, yeah, Barcelona B. Barcelona B is definitely, like, that's definitely there. That's, like, four. <laughs> All right. Wes, how many places has uh, Klopp coached at? Uh, I'm, if I remember correctly, I believe it's three, right? I yep. think it's two, two Bundesliga teams and then, yep. and then Liverpool. Mines and then Bruce Dorman and Liverpool. On his Wikipedia page, it also says he uh, coached at Eintracht Frankfurt the same year that he played there. So I'm a little confused <laughs> on that one. So. Yeah, I mean, if that's, if that's the case, then sure, four. You can dock me for that, but I don't, I don't right, care. Right. Um, all right, here we go. Getting a little more complicated. I'll ask this question, and each of you will answer, uh, and then we'll see who's correct. So how many colors are on the Knoxville flag? Like the, like the state flag? No, Knoxville has a flag. Oh. How many colors do you know oh. or do you think would be on the Knoxville flag. Rodolfo, how many do you think? Three colors on the Knoxville flag. All right, all right. Uh, Wes, what do you think? (laughs) I was going to say four. (laughs) (laughs) I was going to say four, but like in my head, I was like, I I couldn't have told, I couldn't have told myself a a worse answer. (laughs) So there's five. So Wes gets this one, or close enough. There's red, blue, black, white, and yellow slash gold. So. Uh, and what, what, look at that. Look yeah, at that. $1. We'll you. yeah, one dollar. Yeah, $1. All right. Last question is all right, you fill in the blank. Each of you will answer this. Early Knoxville was referred to as the alternate quiet and blank river town. The alternately quiet and blank river town. Wes, what do you think? Alternately quiet and gosh, ultimately quiet and. I would say, like, for some reason, I just think, like, lively, okay. exciting. What do you think? I got, nothing, I got nothing to base this on. <laughs> uh, scrappy. Those are both good ones. You're, you're, you're in the right area. Alternately quiet and rowdy Rivertown. <laughs> you know, never would have guessed. I mean, but it kind of makes sense. I mean, we're, we're a quiet, <laughs> quiet place it's and then also sense. a ruckus. 
I think Wes barely edged it out if I can give it to him, but you know, <laughs> we're, we're, there's no, there's no, uh, there is no trophy for that one. Well, April, April 10th. We'll just see, see, see who comes out ahead. Just, just like the title race, we barely edge him out. That's going to be it for this episode of the Knox Soccer Podcast. Thanks so much to Wes and Rodolfo of just taking the time out of their day to chat about their favorite teams. Please let us know what your favorite team is on Instagram and Twitter and how this season is going to end. Maybe we'll have you on the podcast on a future episode. Thanks so much for Press and Play. We would very greatly appreciate it if you took just a moment out of your day to give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. You can subscribe to our newsletter at KnoxSoccerPodcast.com. And as Patty said, follow us on Instagram and Twitter at KnoxSoccerPodcast. And the best way you can help us out is share it with a friend. Let that be a soccer buddy or just a Knoxville-loving pal. Until next time, peace. Peace.